is religion good or on balance bad for the world we discuss this and more with special guest megan clark sally ashvili on this episode of the overthinkers Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for people who love to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, moderate extremist. And with me, as always, is my respectably religious co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker. And oh, man, I did not prepare for my fourth thing today because <laughs> I'm so lazy just promoting my book. I can't do that another time. <laughs> oh, do you um, have a book coming out? Yeah, I do. Uh, I'll just say extreme moderate. Extremist there you go. moderate. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I like it. I like it. And with us today is a very special returning guest. She is a freelance religion reporter, a graduate student at NYU, and an alumni of Harvard Divinity School. Her work has appeared in Religion News Service, Christianity Today, Dallas Morning News, Newsweek, and many other outlets, including in India, where she lived for almost five years. She is a board member of the Associated Church Press, and I know her because we both are alumni of the King's College in New York City, and she was my managing editor at Religion Unplugged for a very long time, one of my favorite editors I've ever had she is the majestic the magnetic the magical megan clark saliash vili take that megan. again <laughs> yeah. uh, thank Sally you that was so touching <laughs> megan welcome to the show i love extremist moderate i i want to be in that party <laughs> it's it's like a, a moderate to a fault it's like if someone says something, it's like if the answer always has to be in the middle. What are your thoughts on this momentous occasion? Your neutralness? I have no strong feelings one way or the other. And I that's can uh, see where my mind sides. goes. Right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although that. I don't know if I, am I an extremist moderate or am I a moderate extremist? These are legitimate questions. You know, <laughs> that's that's up for you to decide. Yeah, <laughs> because being we'll moderate is kind of extreme now. It feels Ooh, at times. that's true. It's so yeah, controversial. Be moderate is extreme. Ooh, yeah. the times we live in. The moderates are in the real places. rebels. At least that's what we <laughs> that's tell <right>. ourselves. <laughs> if I don't survive, tell my wife hello. Oh well. Anyway, well, very excited to have our conversation. We're going to be asking whether or not religion is good for the world. So we'll find out where we fall in the extreme moderate matrix. Um, but first, Nathan, if people enjoy our discussion here and want to engage with more of our content and meet fellow overthinkers like themselves, where should they go? They can go to the overthinkersjournal.com where they can find out more about their hosts and any live events we have coming up. Hopefully someday soon we'll have one. Uh, <laughs> we just had a great one, um, Oscars party. So make sure you're there for the next one. You can also go to the Overthinkers online group on Facebook where we have 10,000 plus overthinkers like yourself, posting memes, getting discussions, taking polls and talking about the things we talk about here on the podcast. Mm. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving a review and sharing with a friend. It really does help us so very much. Awesome. Everyone ready to get started? Let's do it. Awesome. Sure. Okay. <clears throat> so 
According to Pew Research, 80% of people in the world identify with some religious group. For those who consider themselves religious, their faith is one of the most important things in their life. For others, religion is the source of much of the world's evil and suffering. In the early 2000s, a collection of atheist writers such as Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, and Christopher Hitchens, dubbed the New Atheist, published a series of books arguing that religion was not just incorrect, but also the source of most of the world's problems, with titles like The God Delusion, The End of Faith, and particularly subtle God is not great, how religion poisons everything. According to these gentlemen, religion is bad for the world because it is based on demanding faith and obedience in things that contradict reason, which is why it's responsible for and has inspired so much violence, oppression, and intolerance in history, including the Crusades, slavery, homophobia, and the Inquisition. In the words of Christopher Hitchens, one must state it plainly. Religion comes from a period of human prehistory where nobody, not even the mighty Democritus, who concluded that all matter was made from atoms, had the slightest idea what was going on. Violent, irrational, intolerant, allied to racism and tribalism big bigotry, invested in ignorance and hostile to free inquiry, contemptuous of women and coercive towards children, organized religion ought to have a great deal on its conscience. However, others, even other atheists, disagree with their assessment, pointing out that atheist regimes like Nazism and communism have killed and oppressed just as many people as religious ones have, and religious societies have also led to great advances in human society. Historian Tom Holland recently wrote the celebrated book Dominion, where he pointed to Christianity as ha in particular as having introduced the values of compassion and human dignity around the human race that take for granted today. Other similar things have been said about other religions as well. So, Megan, you have written on many different religions around the world for many years as a you know, premier freelance and, and attached uh, religion reporter. From what you've seen, do you think religion is more good for the world or more bad for the world? And how so? Huh. Well, um, first of all, I think it's good to explain how we're framing what religion is. Mm. So it sounds like I think we're kind of assuming, which is fine, which is the way that I would think about religion mostly, is that we're talking about organized religion, mm -hmm. which is found in some sort of institution, network of institutions, um, you know, which like implies community and implies a lot of things. Um, so, yeah, not to say that, you know, that's the only place religion is found, but that's kind of mainly what people think of when they think of that question, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think like obviously the three of us are in some way or another religious. I think we're all Christians. Guilty. So, you know. You know, it's I recognize that some people have this other very like Hitchens like view that, you know, religion has organized religion has harmed a lot of people in different ways. But I do think that it gets an unfair rap, um, an unfair reputation at times, because, you know, usually people point to things like um, the sexual abuse crisis in the Catholic Church or ways that religious groups have really harmed people that are marginalized, like gay Christians as a, you know, freaking example, something like that. I think that's like all totally valid. You know, like people have those painful experiences, um, but sometimes it's overlooked like when, you know, right now with the decline of a lot of religion in the U.S., especially like white Christian, Protestant kind of faith is declining in membership. I think people are not really recognizing like what holes are there going to be like what are we losing in communities um really and so that's something i think about and like actually one of my mentors for like a shout out to him bob smitana which is like s oh my gosh how do you spell his name s-m-i-e-t 
ANA, I think. Um, he writes for a religion news service, but he's like one of the most uh, well-known religion reporters in the U.S., I would say. Mm. He just wrote a book called Reorganized Religion. Mm. And he really actually gets into this question because, I mean, from his, his argument is that, you know, overall, organized religion is good for society. And I fall in the same camp. And I would say, like, especially thinking about the U.S., um, I think people don't realize the extent to which religious institutions are contributing to things like settling immigrants in the U.S., for example. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have the idea that these government agencies are doing a lot of that. But in reality, because of the history of our country from immigrants, you know, from the earliest times when there was waves of immigrants coming to New York, it was actually institutions like the Catholic Church that and, you know, and Jewish organizations as well that were settling their groups of immigrants as like the first responder type of thing. And that's actually still going on today. I actually, when I was living in Boston last year, my Orthodox church was involved in resettling Afghan refugees that were coming in. And what's surprising is that, you know, those volunteers from the church that were helping resettle them, they would meet them at the hotel or at the airport. Mm -hmm. And someone was telling me there was literally no one from the government there. If they hadn't been that volunteer to meet them, um, people who don't speak English, who are fleeing a war, basically a conflict zone, you know, with the ISIS takeover, um, you know, they didn't know how to use a tea kettle in their hotel room. The county had paid for their hotel room, but you need people who can have a relationship and help these people. So yeah, I think that's just like one example. But you know, there's all these like faith-based relief groups after tornadoes, um, a lot of, you know, helping organizations are faith-based. And I think that it's not to say that all of them are, but a lot of them are, especially in the US. And, you know, one of the things that almost every religion teaches is to look at the needs of people outside of your group. And you're looking outside of your family and also outside of your own faith group. And a lot of religions teach that you have you should have this concern for people that are not like you and that are not your identity. And I think mm -hmm. especially in a time right now when our identities are really polarizing us, that's really valuable. Mm -hmm. And so how do we hold on to that? I, so anyway, that's like a long, long answer. I'm rambling, but I have that's other great. ideas. But <laughs> I no, think that's, that's important to highlight. <laughs> I, and yeah. I, I want to jump a little bit off of what you said, because this is I think this is a really relevant issue in a lot of people's minds and hearts and has been for a while. Like, Joseph, you mentioned the new atheists. And I remember watching those as a young guy kind of grappling with my own understanding of my own faith. That wasn't my mm -hmm. parents or my churches. It was something that I had to grapple with. And of course, you know, as being a uh, a young guy in the early 2000s, you go straight to the uh, uh, <laughs> Hitchens. I still love Hitchens. Yep. You know, sue me. Same. He's funny. They're clever. They're British. Um, <laughs> but they had these really strong arguments. Right. And and one of the most central ones was that um, not only was Christianity or religion, uh, theism wrong, incorrect, their argument that was kind of on top of that, which is very, very um, powerful argument, I think. Yep was that religion made the world worse. That uh, not only is it wrong, that they would have been fine with it, even if it was wrong, but it made it better. But their argument is that, that it made it worse. I remember Hitchens did a documentary or, or a book kind of about Mother Teresa and how about mm. all of that was fake. It's not, by the way. I, I encourage you to all look it up. <laughs> I've yeah, been really. there. I have been <laughs> yeah. to that compound. 
And yep. I totally disagree with Hitchens. He had an axe to grind. Really? <laughs> yes. I didn't and, notice that. <laughs> it's almost like he, he can be biased in a way too. Yeah. Yeah. But but the, it was uh, to people who hadn't studied these things. When you hear about well, you have the Crusades and you had the you know Spanish Inquisitions and slavery and and all these things, it can be a very powerful argument. Wow, religion. Uh, did terrible things. And so that was an interesting thing for me to kind of look into. And what I ended up finding was, um, you know, listen, I, I hesitate to do this, but I'm going to be doing it. And I know that if you're not a Christian listening to me, you're going to be calling me out for a lot of no true Scotsman arguments today. But <laughs> sometimes that is um, necessary and it's a valid argument. Um, but what I found is on almost every side, let's take slavery, for example. Mm -hmm. Of course, you had people trying to use Christianity to justify slavery. That is something we can't get around. We have to grapple with. There were people who were trying to justify it using the Bible, using Christianity. Mm -hmm. But if you keep on looking, what you find is that it was abolished, not by secular, secularism, not by um, atheism. It was abolished by people who actually took scripture seriously and mm -hmm. said, no, what you're doing is perverting the use of scripture. You're perverting mm -hmm. the use of religion. Um, and actually, if you actually look at it, we have to abolish slavery. This is the this is the right and moral thing to do. And so what you have is all these different conflicts and um, and things throughout history that, that can look very bad. And what you find is it wasn't just Christians on one side perpetuating evil things. You had Christians on every side grappling with these issues, saying who had the right interpretation of scripture. And so this is where it gets to kind of this no true Scotsman thing where it's, all right, what is actual Christianity? What is actual um, and we have to talk about something specific here because religion is in a vacuum. Um, sure. it, it, it doesn't mean anything. So we have to say, what's the value of a certain religion? So let's take Christianity because we're all Christians. So what is actual Christianity? What does actual Christianity teach? And so when you when I look at it, what I see is clearly um, God is for freeing the oppressed. God is for um, the value of women. God is for loving people. God is for um, punishing abusers. God is for, and it, to me, it seems very clear from the Old Testament to the New Testament, if you look at it. Now, you can justify anything with anything, but I think what has happened is, especially in the West, we've kind of looked at the West, Western history in general, and what the, the atheist kind of community have, did really well was it assumed that, um, that all the good things in the world were, didn't happen because of religion, it happened because of humanity. Yeah in general and all the bad things only happened because of religion and but that's not true if you just take a cursory look at history every single nation in history be it religious or not has had slavery so uh has had slavery has had murder has had rape has had terrible terrible things so these things are just part of humanity they're not part yeah. of religion um per se and i think that's pretty um exemplified by just looking at history these are not unique to religion um just like joseph you often point out as you brought up the sex scandals in the different churches um well you had the sex scandals in churches of course that's terrible mm -hmm. and ought, ought to be called out and, and dealt with but then we have hollywood which is known as a secular godless place and i don't mean that as an insult i mean that as a, literally it's a secular place it's not a place that centers yeah. itself around a, a faith belief and they had the even more egregious um, sexual abuse scandals. So all that to say is sexual abuse scandals, slavery, terrible things are human things. So that was that kind of died for me as soon as I looked. Oh, this is just a human thing that you're going to find everywhere. And then you have to look at all the good things. And I'll stop after this. And then if you have to say all the good things would have happened without religion, and a lot of them claim that it happened in spite of religion, I think that's a pretty disingenuous thing to say, too, especially as Megan, you were pointing out, the Catholic Church to this day is still the number one charity 
in the world. They have orphanages, they have schools, they have feeding programs. I'm in Los Angeles right now. This city is filled with Catholic charities who are reaching out to the unhoused, who are reaching out to, like you uh, pointed out, immigrants, who reached out to a, a million different ways. And so I think it's really disingenuous to say that all the good things in the world um, uh, weren't because of religion. And I want to get into the philosophy of why good things are perpetuated by people who are religious. But Joseph, I'm going to let you jump in here. Just yeah, like yeah, no. So I'll, I'll get sort of we're laying the groundwork of sort of our definitions and kind of you know that I, I like that. And so I think one of the things you both have have really pointed out is saying is that idea of okay, like Megan, you point out, look, religion's done a lot of bad and religion's done a lot of good. So it's like okay, does the math work out? Like you know, in religion's favor, that it's done more good than bad. And you've all taken sort of uh, on the idea of Nathan of the fact that as well as the idea of well what's correlation doesn't equal causation where he's saying like okay religious people have done bad things does that mean the religion caused it you know and does it mean that all the good things would have happened without religion you know and it's been difficult for a lot of people to do that for a long time because most of the world has mostly been religious and so it's been easy to say well, you know, uh, well, uh, you know, there was religion that caused it because there weren't a lot of like counterexamples. Of course, like the 20th century gave us a few counterexamples because it was like some of the first societies that were trying to be built, you know, on explicitly atheistic framework, um, like a lot of the, the communist regimes. Um, but that's that's where people a lot of people go and they say like, OK, religion is a cause of it. So, well, is it the cause of it? And yeah, and that's why I kind of go and say, OK, if you find the secular places, are they being less oppressive are they being less you know than religious religions are and then you know are there uniquely good things that religion offers i think that you also uh, megan point out some really interesting when you're defining religion essentially what you're doing is you're defining institutions and communities built around transcendent truths and beliefs you know believe that they believe are transcendent of some kind as like would the world be better without um those people it's it, it, those people in groups is like well it's hard to kind of say yes because you would either be saying i mean again one of the reasons that like you know communist regimes in the 20th century and you know even today if you look at some places today i won't name names but uh you know is they don't like religious groups specifically because they create civil societies and help people organize each other socially in ways that aren't controlled by the government you know so it's like okay do we want to have um a world where there are no you know communities of people built around things that are separate from governmental institutions you know it's like it probably not because again even if the government isn't tyrannical they have run into the problem like you said megan where it's just they're not organized enough to fill all the needs that exist um but it, it is part of the 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 um aspect of of religion that people are are is that you know you look at the the decline of religion and it's interesting we point this out in a previous episode you look at the data most of the people who are not identifying with a religious group are not ceasing to believe in god or a higher power is like most of them are just not being attended part of a religious institution because it's really like an anti-institutional issue and, and and that to me a lot of times when people are anti-religious I I I I kind of look at him saying like, but you wouldn't say the same thing about a government, which is also an institution built around people organizing themselves in order to do good that is oppressive sometimes and oppressive a lot of times. And it's like your question is like, you know, is religion good or bad for the world? I don't know if you can get rid of religion any more than you can get rid of governments because people need to organize themselves around 
um, some principles and values and um, whether it's political or transcendent. And I will say, yeah, I think, and again, I think if you look at the historians, I've, I've read a lot of history books, both Christian and secular and stuff like that. And most of them are like the people that introduced values that we value today, like compassion, like human dignity, were either, you know, the Mahayana Buddhists in India or the Christians in the West or things like that. These, So it's really hard to make the case to me that you could get rid of religion, first of all, any more than you could get rid of governments or breathing. Um, but two, that you can't, that you can separate the human progress that's been made by the organizing of people around transcendent values, particularly ones that we look at today, like Christianity. Um, so what would, so give it your thoughts on that, Megan, but also as, as, um, uh, Nathan pointed thought about like why that would be, why is it that, um, religion would have this kind of power to do things, good things in the world? Yeah, I well, one thing that comes to mind is that I think that a lot of people in the West who, you know, all types of different people um, don't understand the huge impact that the Protestant Reformation had on our way of organizing government. And you can't really separate Martin Luther from the development of democracy and then nation building later. And the way that we think of ourselves as a community of individuals with this, you know, the social contract that we're all, you know, born into basically, but agree to, I guess. Um, it's like we agree to that is yes. like a very that's a very different way of thinking about yourself and your community. And that was introduced really, I would argue, introduced by the Protestant Reformation rather than like those values influencing Martin Luther to break away. Um, but of course, from a more, you know, I'm Orthodox, so it's kind of funny that I'm saying this, but I used to be Protestant. But I think from the more Catholic and Orthodox perspective, there is something else to be said about how that has led us into further and further fragmentation and the more extreme end of individual liberty at the expense of caring for the common, you know, good or, you know, the whole community. But yeah, but I would just say that point about the Protestant Reformation, because I think that there's a lot of secular, you know, so-called secular, whatever that means, and atheist people, agnostic people, people who don't buy into organized religion, let's say, who don't understand maybe or appreciate fully that they are inheriting a Protestant mindset, whether or not they are mm. even Christian or like by living and existing in the Western Point. framework, you are like a some version of a Protestant in some ways, because mm. that's the way our society is set up. That's just the way it is. And I think some people like do recognize that, of course, like I think especially people who come from the East, like maybe a Hindu immigrant to the U.S., they're like, whoa, like, you know, why is everything white and Christian here? <laughs> like they maybe they recognize that more than the, you know, person who isn't, you know, born in the U.S. and doesn't really have a connection to a faith. But I forgot the second part of your question now. Oh, the trans something about transcendence. Why is what about believing in religion and yeah. specifically Christianity here in the West? What about the mm -hmm. belief in religion makes a society better? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's true about a lot of religions, but especially Christianity, you know, um, I think the way that we would practice it, at least in the traditional way that Christianity is practiced, is that it demands you to think about yourself and your flaws and 
to actually mm. repent of things mm. that you shouldn't have done and to that engages your emotions into your actions and you're trying to judge your morals and your choices and you're trying to do better so it's mm. like this mindset of not to be like super you know self-flagellating because i'm not really into that but you know just recognizing like confessing <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess. We don't judge here. All kinds are welcome. But, you know, just having some sort of, you know, developing habits and rituals that help you become more self-aware of how you act in your relationships, how you treat the poor, what are you yeah. doing, you know, in your community, in your workplace, your friendships, your family, like trying to be a better person. And I mean, yeah. that's pretty valuable, but I think it goes beyond that because obviously, you know, Jesus is like the suffering servant and that's what we're trying to emulate. And so if you really reach that point, you're willing to die for someone else. So that's very mm. powerful. I think, you know, many religions have similar things, but I think for Christianity in particular, there's a lot of contributions that Christianity has made to the West. And, you know, I... I feel very ecumenical because I can appreciate so many things from other parts of the world and different cultures yeah. and different religions as well. But I am pretty frustrated, I will say, with the amount of vitriol for especially white Christianity. And I think, you know, I've been around a lot of circles in academia, especially that that is kind of the focus area right now. And understandably, to some extent that I don't I think it's right for us to grapple with the legacies that our different traditions have had on things like slavery and um, colonialism, even in different mm -hmm. circumstances, like how have we not honored someone else's culture in pain? Mm -hmm. And like, we need to have those conversations. But I also think that we need to also be understood and we need mm -hmm. to listen to people. But I would say for you know, we need to have like more conversations where there's mutual respect and that would help with the polarization going on. Yeah. A reciprocity. Yeah, that's, yeah, this is, it's really interesting because, you know, I uh, I think it was last year at the Analex by Confucius and and what I saw was, um, and Joseph and I, we, we've talked about this before, is that, you know, Christianity didn't really permeate the East for, for a while. Yeah. And, um, part of the reason was what they and joseph you told me kind of about this when we explored it but they went there and they found confucianism which is really a brilliant and beautiful um uh, religion it, it has a lot of the same tenets that jesus taught us respect and kindness and caring for the poor and and self-governance and and um these are all good and beautiful things and so i totally um I agree with you, Megan, that, that there is uh, beautiful aspects to many religions. But I, there is also this idea, Joseph, that you brought up that I really appreciate that when we say religion, it's not you can't really say that. Right. Is religion yeah. good for the world because it's not this monolith of belief. Right. Like a, as we see the Confucius mm -hmm. of Christianity have things in common, yet they are completely different belief systems. And so religion, like you pointed out, is like government. And is it good for the world? Well, it depends on, on the government <laughs> one and how it's being practiced. And so, you know, this is where my no true Scotsman comes out. And so when, when I look at people who say religion was bad for the West or for the world, I go, well, that wasn't good religion. That wasn't mm -hmm. really um, correct 
productive practices uh, that would make a better society. But my argument to that is when you employ good religion, this is why theology is so important, I think. Um, When you actually study scripture, don't intend to use it. You don't intend to, um, for your own personal gains um, or or your selfish agendas. When you actually look at scripture, um, what you find is a is a grid for how to build mm-hmm. a better society. And I'll explain a little bit what I mean by that. And, and Megan, you touched on this, which is when you have a framework that tells you objectively that people are valuable, that you um, you can be, you make mistakes and you have to own up to those mistakes, but you can be forgiven, that you can have community with other people, even the aspect of um, being being eternal, that there's a there's an eternity to you, that, that gives your, um, your scope, uh, so much more freedom to act freely, to give your life, to help people. I think that those tenants that we see, as you say, are kind of baked into much of what we consider the West, whether people know it or not. Uh, even the ideas that you hear in the very secular, let's say that, um, uh, yeah, yeah, super secular ideas that think they're so different from the Christianity, let's say woke, kind of the, a woke um, ideas are very much based in a lot of what is kind of the the undergirding of the Ameri- of Western religion, which is we need fairness, we need to help the oppressed, we need um, equality, we need diversity. That those are all things that were baked into the Western idea um, through the Protestant um, expansion through uh, Europe mm-hmm. and America. Um, but all that to say, I'm, I'm trying to pack a lot into um, a little here. But ultimately, I do think that getting back to if you have a framework mm-hmm. that tells you that people are valuable, that you are valuable, that people should be helped, that fairness is real, there's an objective that I think that will absolutely make a better world. Um, you know, there's the popular, I've heard popular phrases, listen, today I was brushing up on my, <laughs> on my genetics, <laughs> funnily enough, I've done Yeah, lexicon, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had to, but what I, what I found is a consistent um, phrase used with a lot of um, atheists and secular proponents was you make your own morality when they were po- poised with, okay, if there's no objective morality. What are you doing? And, say it's, and they kind of would gleefully say, you make your own morality. You, you, um, you, you define your own truth. And I actually have higher respect for them. Um, mm. Even our friend Mattis uh, talked about this too, that he has his own code of what he lives by and we, on our ep- episode about atheism. Make sure to check that out with our, um, with our good friend of the show, Mattis. He's great. Yeah, he is. And and he's an atheist. Can you believe it? We're friends with him. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but but they they talk about having their own code and their own morality and their own truth. And I, I have to say, I'm, I'm rather impressed because m- maybe this makes me a weaker person, but I feel like I, I feel and I'm very acquainted with my selfish proclivities hmm. and my self-centered proclivities, my angry proclivities, my lustful proclivities, and left to my own devices without something that I have to adhere to, that I have to go to for higher wisdom um, that is above mine, I think I'd be a terrible person. And if there were a lot of me in the world, if there are more people like me in the world <laughs> who didn't have something that regulated their behavior, that informed the decisions of how to look at themselves and other mm. people, I think it would be a worse world. And so I think for that very reason, without going to the proof of, of mm-hmm. uh, atheism, just the reality that there is something bigger than you that you have to assent to and agree with and that guides your decisions rather than it being left in your own hands, I think is a good thing. And Christianity specifically tells me, love your neighbor, turn the other cheek, help the oppressed, give to the poor, respect mm-hmm. people. And so that to me, those kinds of things that are involved in your actual beliefs and they're outside of you, 
um, to me will inherently make a better world. And I think we can see evidence of this. And I'll briefly go over that before we before we yeah. wrap up. Joseph. Yeah, no, I think that that's that's a really those are really excellent points. Um, you know, I think, you know, what was, there is um I forget, I, I I wish I could cite the the various places, but I know that one of the one of the new atheists, and I reference them a lot just because, you know, we grew up, Nathan and I, we grew up with them. Uh they were sort of the pe- strongest people making this argument when we were kind of growing up. But um one of them said like Good people do bad, good things. Bad people do bad things. But in order for a good person to do bad things, that takes religion. You know, that was because it's like, you know, if a good person says, well, I would naturally, you know, um, you know, not be xenophobic, but like, this is what my, you know, my religion teaches. And so I'm going to go along with it. And that's sort of, and of course, one of the, one of the responses to that was, I forget who said it was, you might also say that for a bad person to do good things, that takes religion. Because that's sort of what, religion is is it says you are making this you know god your lord and this is what this god is like and so then you have to conform yourself to his standards what he says what he we commands um and that's just leaving aside any sort of actual divine assistance like the christians talk about the holy spirit actually being involved leave that aside for now you know it's like just, I mean, I know personally, again, it's like, I like to think that I'm a pretty nice chap, unlike Nathan. But, you know, I, I, but I, there are a lot of things that I don't want to do that I specifically do because Jesus commanded it. And that was his example. And, you know, it's like, well, I claim to be a Christian. I want to be a Christian. And I order to do that. I have to conform to what it is. And so, as you said, Nathan, you know, uh, it depends on what your religion is. It's like, you know, you know, it, it's like if we're comparing governments, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, well, you know, are you talking about, you know, Nazi Germany or, you know, modern day Denmark? Like, which, you know, which government are you talking about? It's like, well, which religion are you talking about? And like, do we do we think that it's better for the world to have people organized in communities um, around um, shared I, transcendent ideals could we even have a world with like that like it would is it would be good to have a world like that i don't think i can imagine anyone who would say no the question is what religion and are people practicing it well and yes i mean there are so many studies you look at that talk about people who are religious like and and not just like claim to be religious but like going through the religious rituals regularly going to church regularly going to you know like have you know lower rates of anxiety and depression, first of all, which is something we all could use a lot more of right now, um, are, are, have, um, are more generous with their income, you know, are more, um, you know, are, are more, uh, likely to, you know, to, uh, stay together as, as, uh, as, um, in marriage or things like, and, um, and you know, again, like there's so many things like that where it's like, okay, we can see the religion does all these things. Um, people who read the Bible, there's another, you know, article that's going on. People who read the Bible are, and there's regional differences here, of course, but it's like, you know, less likely to be racist, less likely to, you know, less likely, more likely to believe in economic justice for the poor. Now, of course, you know, some of that is like, well, we see more Christians in this area and people in this area are more less likely to believe in those things. So it gets mixed up. But if you look at control for the common denominator, um, they are more like it, but why? Because they're having to contort their sinful self into the image of the God that they claim to worship, and um, and I think that's a good thing. I think that, and oftentimes, even like the you know, um, I think that you know, there are the atheists who say basically, do they? I don't believe in it, but I know it's good for the world, <laughs> kind of thing. It's like you know, I don't believe in it, but I want everyone else to because they see those things. And the the atheists that I see 
don't see those things, say those things, like people like Steven Pinker, obviously now things like that are kind of like, well, I can get along fine without being a part of a community that, you know, that worships highest ideals. And I, I do think that that's just kind of naive. Um, you know, it's like Benjamin Franklin talked, had this argument with Thomas Paine. Benjamin Franklin was one of those atheists who liked religion people. And Thomas Paine was just like, oh, like, you know, we can, I do fine without religion. Why can't we just abolish religion too? And Ben Franklin was like, you are literally the product of like hundreds of thousands of years of religion. Everything you believe, you believe because a preacher told your great grandma it, you know? And, um, and I think that there is that kind of naivete, like you were saying, Megan, about you know how this is a you know our that's um that like you believe in human rights what an idiotic thing to believe like based on a purely materialistic mindset you believe in universal equality like have you looked around the world human equality is the least obvious thing that you can imagine and yet we believe in it as a tenet of faith um and we should but you know that's that's so that that's kind of i guess I think so. I think historically, in terms of all the things we value, and I think presently, when you see this, I think definitionally, I think you have to say religion is good for the world. Um, but that doesn't undermine, of course, it's like it's still being done by humans. And so humans are are going to, you know, and it's also whatever religion is um is a part of and is doing. Um, is going to be the mix of 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 human beings, um, uh, the good and bad that exists in human beings. So I guess, can I, like, how would you wrap us up, sort of, on this, uh, Megan? Thought things we haven't brought actually, in, things that, things that you have as a person who's I'll, actually studied maybe I'll this. Throw a wrench. Do it. <laughs> maybe I'll oh. throw a wrench out. <laughs> I so <clears throat> thinking about this, I do think that uh, atheists' weak point is not actually about developing a moral framework or not. I do mm -hmm. think that people who have left the church or who are not in mm -hmm. a faith organized religion at all in the West, like, you know, they do need to recognize more where they have inherited their values. Mm -hmm. But I do think that they can have those values without religion at all. Sure. And absolutely. like I've seen, you know, we've seen it. Of course, we're in like an early version of that. So as the generations go on, you know, like, maybe AI will be sentient and become a deity. And there's like a whole bunch of mm. other things coming for us oh boy. where those values, I don't know if those values will hold because there's mm. not an institution bringing mm. them together. And I think that's like a main point and main weakness of atheism as like an mm. ideology is that you just don't tend to gather in an atheist like book club really, or like you don't really mm. hang out with each other because it's just like, you don't want to spend your time doing it really it's just something that you have in the background and so and i also think for christians you know i do hear this argument a lot that you know well we have a moral framework and that's why we're you know we're so good for society and that we we mm. attract people we're valuable but i don't know i think that christianity you know in particular it has to be about more than mm. just being a good person absolutely and it has to be like it, it's about like it's giving you a higher purpose and meaning in your life mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. beyond just being a good person mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I think that you know we all know, know people who are great people who have built up this moral framework of their own in an individualistic way maybe without an institution mm -hmm. and um, yeah and they've made it work they're great people they're contributing you know to society so I think 
as Christians, we have to like really think about more, like what is the value that we're bringing to society that's that's more than just being good people. And, you know, I think like the simple answer people give is like, well, because it's true. Yeah. And it's like, but that wasn't a question for the but topic we have of the to episode. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I, well, I, no, I, I like what you're you. saying. Yeah. yeah. Let, let me see if I can get a little bit. Are what I I've also thought about this before. What you're saying is Christianity doesn't offer you just a list of morals. Be right. be them true or not, because that's not enough. You're saying, mm-hmm. and correct me if I'm wrong, that if you look at the narrative of someone's life, one of the things we struggle with most, even in acting good or bad, quote. Is the reason behind it, the meaning behind Christianity or religion in general, gives you a purpose to your decisions of how you're going to be. Mm-hmm. And in a maybe a more shallow understanding, mm-hmm. I remember when I was young, my mom would point to the superheroes that she knew I loved on the screen and she says, Your life is a story. And like them, you have a decision to make. Every decision you make is is lead, is creating the story you're telling. Christianity kind of gives a story and purpose and meaning to people's lives that can actually affect mm-hmm. on an individual and um, society, uh, 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 full basis. Yeah. Um, but it's done throughout the, throughout the gathering and community of people. Is that close? Cause that, it's really good. I yeah. Like- I, I think it helps answer, you know, the why yeah. it's like, yes. why? And also, you know, we all have maybe to greater or lesser extents, this anxiety about dying, we're all going to mm-hmm. die and mm-hmm. we don't know what's going to happen after yep. we die. And, and we all know someone who's died and we have grieved them. And so I think like sometimes we separate ourselves from that on a daily basis. But at least for me, you know, that's always in the background. And so it's like trying to answer those deeper questions mm-hmm. either that. leads you into this existential like crisis or it leads you into some deeper fulfillment of something that you kind of gradually experience bits of it. Uh, mm-hmm. maybe some kind of like divine revelation of some sort or just like a small experience of like a worship service and then you kind of lead yourself into this journey of like greater satisfaction and fulfillment perhaps and it's not necessarily straight line but it's kind of le- like figuring that out to you know answering like why we're here and like who are we which is like a mm. deeper thing it's answering I'll just, the bigger questions. On I'll just highlight a couple of the things you just said for for our our um for our listeners because we've talked about this on the show before. Is like we do have increased anxiety and depression today as a society. A lot of it is because people are seeing more and more their lives as meaningless, mm. and because like oh okay I don't have an impact on other people. My story ends. It doesn't. My I don't I don't make an impact that's lasting on the world because. I'm not connected with other people and because my life is but a but but a fleeting thing. And so what you're saying is that you know religion and Christianity in particular makes you a part of a story that makes your life meaningful and um and it also binds you together in a community which two things non-religious um things don't seem to do atheists tried to do atheist churches i remember this being a thing and they lasted all two seconds because you know as much as stephen pinker may want to think we don't need religion to have this kind of community well you guys have tried it for a while Mm -hmm. and it's not really worked and so but then also your to your point is like 
that's because we need individually and community in order to find satisfaction. We need to be a part of a story that caused us to exist across time, whether we mean that literally in terms of um, we don't die, we're resurrected, or uh, we're just at least an insignificant part of the story. That's sort of what you're talking about? That's definitely what draws me into Christianity, especially, mm. I think, um, being a part of a church that's not just in one country and you, mm. you know, there's there's that in that sense of you're Universal. part of a huge community that has existed for many centuries and mm. we have a through line and mm. I can read about the history of some saints and feel like they had some of the same struggles that I have mm. and yeah. I can feel connected across so many different languages and cultures and feel that sense of like you know I'm not alone because that at the end of the day is like the worst feeling of feeling like isolated and uncertain you know i love that you brought this on your own yeah no i i absolutely love this and and i promise we'll wrap up soon but i just want to touch on this <laughs> what what you brought up We're having too much fun me, I, it was such I a know. good conversation it's relevant because what you're really saying is um, that there's these inherent, be Christian, atheist, Buddhist, whatever it might be, we have these inherent needs and desires, every human in the world, and the societies are made up of individual humans who have these needs, right? The need that we brought up, we do need a moral framework. How do I act in the world? But as you pointed out, we need more than that. Do my Does my acting in the world matter in a, in a greater story? Mm. Who am I doing it with? And good religion, I'm not talking about every religion, I'm talking about good, um, well done religion, and that's a whole nother episode, how to define that. <laughs> you know who but you are. Provides <laughs> answers to these intrinsic needs, a community, mm -hmm. a story with purpose, and a grid, and a guide of how to act out those things in the world. And I do feel like answering that, that good religion, and I would argue good Christianity, not all of it, believe me, I have, <laughs> you guys know I have a lot of complaints about a lot of Christians. You go, yes. go through our, our podcast library to hear about good that. theology, but good religion yeah. um, answers all of those things with ultimate, with which ultimately makes good societies. So I, I love this. I exactly, really yeah. love that. Yeah. Okay, anything anything else anyone would like to cap on? This was fantastic. I, I hope I hope our listeners got some good stuff out of here because this is great. I enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. I feel like we need some show notes of like a bibliography for further reading, like <laughs> yes. Tom Holland's Dominion. I, Joseph, I, I'm, I'm starting to do that. Religion. I've just started to like add our things at the, at the bottom of our, our episodes. So hopefully yeah, nice, people appreciate nice. that. But yes. Well, and <laughs> yeah. now we can move on yeah. to blesses and curses where we can actually recommend some stuff that yes. people might want to mm. engage to further this conversation. Mm. Nice segue, you two. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So yes, we talk. We're on to, as Nathan said, our Blesses and Curses segment where we take a work of art, media, or resource that we want to recommend for further engagement with this topic. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we bless it. Um, or we curse it where we say, we put or flagged on and say, this is not helpful for you. You just stay away from it. If your friends are engaging with it, say, tell them not to do it because it's anathema because we said so. Um, anyway, so um, Megan, uh, would you like to go first or would you like uh, one of us to get started on this? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I feel like I definitely don't have a, something to curse at this moment, but maybe That's I okay. will by the end of the okay. Maybe you so, guys go first. Yeah, we'll start I'll, and I'll then you'll get inspired. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, so I wrote I wrote them down. I got to remember them. There's 
this was both difficult and hard. I'm going to go with an easy one just in a movie real quick. It's called Amazing Grace. Um, oh. It was a movie about the British abolition of slavery, um, which was led by William Wilberforce. Mm -hmm. uh, one, beautiful movie, just as an actor. Yeah. The performances, the, it was a really, really wonderful um, movie. There's a haunting speech given by the author of the song Amazing Grace, who used to be a slave trader. Um, and then converted to Christianity and stopped because of his Christianity. But this movie is a testament to what good, and I mean quality, whole, true religion can do. And what it can do is it can end an evil. And that's what you see in this movie. It, it ends the evil of the slave trade, um, the British slave trade. And it ended it before um, the States did. And it went on way too long. And people used religion to justify its continuance. But people who actually practice good and true religions were the ones who were inspired and used religion to abolish it. And I think it's a really beautiful example of religion, good religion, true religion at work in what it can do for the world. It can abolish evils. So also it's got uh, a really young Bendit Cumberbatch in a really unusual yeah, role. <laughs> and there's also, and I, and I have to love for this. It has one of my, I really hope he's my ancestor. His name is Thomas Clarkson, who was, um, who was a big <laughs> part of the abolition, uh, who yep. worked with Wilberforce in there, played by, I can't remember his name, but you'll know him, British actor. Um, so I have to like it for that but yes watch it for benedict cumberbatch or watch it for the the great messages or the, yes. the or all of it yeah i enjoy yeah i also encourage you i read this last year i mentioned it earlier read the analects by confucius um mm. if you want to see um a religion maybe outside of christianity um yeah. that that proved itself to be a really uh, a big benefit to a people and society as confucianism did um and it has a lot of the tenets of christianity of fairness and, and goodness and, and self mastery um but read it it's it's really good i really got a lot out of it. it's like i don't know 100 pages or something it's it's quite good um what, what am i gonna curse oh this is so easy and you know <laughs> bill maher is a punching bag for a lot ah, of people yes. now everyone hates him i'm gonna curse this documentary because it's it's easy um i'm actually literally cursing because it's easy both for me and his documentary was just too easy it's called religious and it was basically a takedown of how stupid religious people are. And I really despise, and, and Megan, as a journalist, um, I think you've probably seen this play out very often, and I wonder if it bothers you too, but listen, I love The Daily Show and I love uh, you know all these other um, biased things as much as anyone else, but there's a practice that I really don't like. Um, and I'll, I'll, it is kind of dangerous when you hear that like at a certain point, I don't know if it's true anymore, it was like 80% of millennials got their news from the Daily Show or whatever. But there's this kind of practice that was portrayed in Religious where you pick the worst person of any said group and you use them as the def the death the defining figure of said group so and we do this po uh, politically all the time you go up to the dumbest the least eloquent yeah. least informed person and you say this is indicative of everyone and to me that's just really dishonest and usually it strikes of someone who's actually scared to talk to someone who's in, mm -hmm. who is um intelligent on the subject because they might be proven wrong so they have to go after the lowest common denominator but this movie or, or documentary rather i it was just so frustrating because it's like I don't even know someone who would say that. The people they yeah. interview and talk to, I don't, I've never met a Christian who speaks like this. Um, and they it seemed that they went out of their way to find dumb Christians to prove their their pre-assumed point, which is that Christians are stupid and they're bad for the world. And so I felt that it was dishonest in that. And um, I think even when you critique things, we should do it from an honest point of view, because I don't mm -hmm. mind documentaries critiquing Christianity or religion. I think they're needed, it makes us oh, better. Yeah. 
but do it honestly and talk to the people who are the most informed, who actually um, are more indicative of more people in the said faith. Mm -hmm. So that would be my my curse. Yeah, that that practice of that I've heard the term is nut picking. Uh, nuts. Oh, okay, it's like you that's pick right. out yeah. the nuts. You know, that's and everyone's great. like, "What a good term!" Once once I heard that, I was like, "That's it." I I love that. It's everywhere um, now, and it really bothers me. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Um. Uh. Okay. So yes. Um. A similar note. Yes. So I'm going to. Um. Uh. A similar note. I'm going to. Um. Bless the movie. Um. Selma, which. Oh, um. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. that similarly. Um, and, and again, like I, I have some critique storytelling critiques of like the beginning and how they establish characters and, and people like that. But as a, as a pra as a movie where it, it does show, you know, how Martin Luther King Jr.'s faith informed how he was going about his activism mm. and people don't just don't see that, that this was, that these are things that are motivating factors in people doing, uh, not just in the why, but the how, of going about, you know, in his practice of nonviolence, his practice in, and all of those things. Um, and I think it's, it's, there are just not enough movies that are like wrestle with that in an intelligent way. Um, and so I'm, I, um, uh, so that I think the movie was really good for that. And also um, David Oyanola was amazing. I love him in everything he's in. He's yes. not in enough things and his yeah. portrayal of um, Martin Luther King Jr. was, was fantastic. Um also, I'm going to bless um, Broadchurch, the first season the TV oh. show, which is um, uh, it's got um, uh, David Tennant as as a um, uh, a cop, you know, and and Aaliyah Coleman as as two cops yes. are trying to um, okay. solve murders. And if anyone, you know, uh, it's also got um, Rory from Doctor Who um, as the priest character. And what I thought is it had one of the most intelligent kind of like discussions about faith that I've seen like on television. Mm. You know, like there's a particular scene between uh, David Tennant's cop character and the priest where, you know, because he's been on the news talking about this. The, the priest has been on the news talking about the tragedy of the murder that's happened. And David Tennant, you know, called him out. He said that, you know, every time a tragedy like this happens, you and the you, you're the frocks like you um, uh, capitalize on it like vultures, you know, to to get people, you know, more people in your pews. And the priest's response is, you don't know, do you? Like people came to me like people came to me because I can give them something that you can't. Mm. And there's that just kind of discussion about like an understanding of actual like, like you're saying, Nathan, religion is an inherent need in people that can't actually be taken away. It finds, you know, meaning and purpose in life and a way of contextualizing suffering, not just catching the criminal, but contextualizing it is just yeah. an inherent need in people. And so having the, that, that, um, and again, it's great, like the, the, the show the characters, the atheists and religious were all flawed, but also good characters. And so very complicated yeah. portrayals. So I'm the second season, and the third season are useless. You don't need to watch those, but the first season the is first like really is so brilliant. It makes yeah. the second and third. So <laughs> exactly. Not yes. Um, I'm going to kind of go easy again. Uh, like, just <clears throat> like you, Nathan, I'm going to, um, I'm going to curse at year one, which is a, <laughs> which is oh, a, yes, a, a highly influential cultural. Yes, I mean, dumb Michael, Sarah and Jack Black comedy, but it was the thing about it was that it, it sold itself as an intelligent critique of, mm. of, um, of religion and deconstructing it mm. in an intelligent way. And it did, you know, it was in that period where young people like myself were searching, you know, and we and searching for like how to differentiate ourselves from our parents and understand it. And the answer, even as like a Hollywood film that it gave 
was, you know, basically with the maturity and arrogance of a 13 year old that like, yeah. you know, you can just cynically dismiss these things. And there is that kind of thing you're talking about the daily show, people getting their news from the daily show, that there was a posture that was created in our generation of sort of cynical dismiss dismissal of um, the things that we didn't like. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think this is really indicative of that, even if it's not the most influential example um, of that kind of spirit that I think yeah. is was problematic for our generation. Um, uh, yeah, so that would be my blessings and curses. All right, so Megan, you've got some time. What do you, what I said, where, <laughs> I what are you going to recurse curse well, something? You don't have I mean, to curse anything, I've yes. Thought, yeah, I've thought about it and I feel like I, I just feel bad cursing what I have in my head. You're an so extreme, maybe I'm just you're an extreme moderate. I think, yes, <laughs> we've settled. Yeah, it. that's what it is. That's what it is. So I, I'll just give two blessings. Do it. That? Nice. Love it. Okay. So since you guys are filmmakers and I'm a writer, I felt like let's focus on books. Yes. So two yes. books. We need more books on this two... podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Two of the most influential books on my thinking that's related to this episode are drumroll. Um, one is a classic, Les Mis. Um, I love that book oh, so much. Yes. And I think that Victor Hugo was not even particularly religious, but mm. he did such a good job portraying the beauty of the Catholic faith in France at mm. that time. Mm. And also it was complicated because French history is complicated. So I think <laughs> that is such a good view, you know, of someone who's redeemed, who is on a path of redemption, I'll say, um, mm. and just, you know, complicated views of what justice is. Um, that book changed my mind coming from Texas to be against the death penalty. Mm. And yeah, so that's just very influential to me and in what my idea is of how to be in society um, as a Christian. And then I think the other book is like a very also long very kind of wordy, rambly, kind of academic, definitely uh, academic book by Charles Taylor ah. called A Secular Age. Yes. And, yeah. you know, it's a lot. So just, you know, you can also listen to his talks about like a summary of A Secular Age. But what I really like about Charles Taylor, who's a Canadian philosopher and Anglican, is that he characterizes the sense of secular not as lacking religion, but as like a cultural context in which religious belief has become an option. There's so many mm -hmm. options of religious belief. And mm -hmm. so even being a deeply religious person, you constantly have pressures on your way of thinking about the world coming from every direction Wow. And everyone has to make sense of all of that for themselves because, you know, because previously, like what you were saying about how, you know, the whole world has had so many conflicts and it's blamed on, you know, a lot of it in the West is blamed on Christianity. But that's also because when you go back in time, religion wasn't even a category, like, mm -hmm. because everyone yeah. had religion. Yeah. <laughs> There was no was such not, thing as religion. That yeah. was just society. Like yeah. there was no other option. So yeah. it's that's also a reason why I think it's like a bad faith argument. But yeah. so now though we have so many different competing ideologies telling us why who we are and what our purpose is and what our meaning is and yeah. we all have to pick among that and even being very religious 
we have to understand like what are the influences that are actually coming from outside or counter to mm. what we say our beliefs are. And so th- that becomes very complicated. And like one example he talks about a lot is the desacramentalization of the world. Whereas wow. before we used to really believe in kind of the magic or um, yeah. of the world yeah. or like miracles, the God's yeah. divine presence in material uh, objects and in our lives like, and today like in, in shakespeare kind of, when there's a when you know like when julius caesar is going to be killed like you know the ray the, the crows don't sing you know it's like it's it's like that kind of thing yeah. it's like it, it is god yeah. is in exactly. the world exactly yeah we've lost that sense of curiosity and wonder almost because mm. like we think we know everything because we have books and now we have you know powerful search engines yeah. and chat GPT. And it's just increasing along that path of like, we know so much. So, you know, of course, God doesn't exist. We don't need God um, yeah. versus, you know, people who would look up at the sky and be like, and wonder about like the beauty of nature. You know, we still have that some, but it's, it's a different world. Yeah, I'll, I'll just with movies, shows and video games about magic. The Witcher, Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. You yeah. Get away from yeah. Them. Hit the Harry Potter games. Yeah. Yeah. We have to go into other worlds yeah. that we invent to get yes. that back. Yeah. I'll say this. I'll say this just for people out there. If as long not... as we can be the god of that. Magic. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. very good. I'll say this about um uh the a sec- Charles Sales of Secular Age for people who haven't heard of this. Basically, if there's anybody intelligent who's talking about um the subject of religion and secularization today. I can guarantee you they've gotten most of their ideas from the secular age. That's just how influential that book is in the modern discourse of politics, religion, and secularization and stuff like yeah. that. So it's definitely like the tome that if you're looking for like the source material that's informing a lot of the other thinkers you're reading, you should definitely check out a secular age. I am still surprised yeah. that no one blessed Dominion by Tom Holland, who is an atheist who wrote a book about <laughs> well- because we already mentioned it. We already referenced yeah. it as our thing. Yeah. Because I felt like we needed something new, but no, those are in the so show right. notes. Yes. Yes. Oh, absolutely. No, everyone no. Heard of Dominion now. Ta- ta- Dominion by Tom Holland. Again, it's a, if you're looking for like the argument for why religion is good for the world, the modern one, the tome of that kind of argument. From someone who isn't a Christian, or at least no, he, yeah. he wrote yeah. this. He's, he's, he's one and of those. Just people. be clear, this is not the actor Tom Holland. Yes. Oh, yeah. We should probably different, be clear. Different Tom, Tom Holland. Spider Man is smarter than I thought. Yes. No. So, so his joke is yes, apparently that ev- every time that a Spider-Man movie comes out, he has to reiterate to his all of his new followers, his like hundreds of new followers, that he's I'm a not different Spider-Man. Spider-Man. That's yes. great. So, yeah, yeah. No, thank you for pointing that out. I mean, I, if it gives him a bump in followers, like ride that way. I'm all for it. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to change my writing name to Brad Pitt and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Megan, for joining us. This was yeah, a lot of fun. So Great conversation. If, if people want to, um, uh, you know, find your work or, you know, or, or, or get you, you know, get you, get you work, you know, uh, find you uh, to put you on a case for some journalistic case. I'm open for business. <laughs> yes. Where, 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 where should they go to find people go to find you? Um, Twitter is good. I'm, I'm at Megan Salia. So it's like, um, at M E A G A N underscore S A L I A. Nice. And what's a recent piece that maybe um, our listeners might be interested in reading of yours? Or what's Mm. your favorite piece that they should be looking up so they can connect with your work? Oh, man. 
Well, connected to the news today, uh, which I realize this is going to be published later, but you know, today <laughs> is the day that Trump was indicted um, here in New York. And so I did recently interview the Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg. Wow. And I think what was so interesting about my interview with him is that uh, I'm just going to give myself away here. I personally disagree with several of his policies, but he is such a great human being and I loved meeting him and I wanted to meet him because um, he is a Sunday school teacher in Harlem wow. and he's been a longtime member of one of the most important uh, churches for black New Yorkers, Abyssinian wow. Baptist Church. And so I thought, OK, this guy is, uh, you know, he's not faking it. He's very devout Christian. Mm. So how does that inform his ideas about justice and the criminal justice system? Because there's got to be a connection here. And indeed there is. So you can read my article. Nice. <laughs> my interview, my interview with him is in Sojourners magazine right now. So that's awesome. Yeah. Everyone go check out uh, Megan's work. Check out this new article. Um, we so enjoyed having her on today. And I hope that you got some things out of the thoughts. If you want to connect more with the overthinkers, please head to the overthinkersjournal.com or join our private group on Facebook, the overthinkers. We would love to have you. If you want to get in touch with me, you can go to Nathan Clark. Clarkson.me or search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials and make sure to get my uh, most recent book, Finding God in Hollywood, Joseph. You can find me at josephholmestudios.com. You can also find me on any of the socials and you can find my continual work in culture and film criticism uh, merged with faith uh, commentary um, at religionunplugged.com. Uh, thank you everyone so much uh, for joining us today. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Mm -hmm.